That's a hard act to follow right there. <laughs> We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 17 here in just a moment. Amram and Jochebed lived in Egypt as slaves. And Jochebed gave birth to a child named Moses. And the king of Egypt said that all the male Israelite children were to be thrown into the river. Uh, they were to be killed. And uh, they didn't want to do that. And so they hid Moses for a couple of months. And then finally, when they could hide him no longer, uh, they actually put him in a waterproof little basket his mother had made for him, set him in the Nile River, and set his daughter Miriam uh, to watch him. And see what would happen, I believe, because she had asked for God to spare his life. And, of course, we know the story. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe and found the basket and adopted Moses and hired Moses' mother uh, to be his nurse. And God used Moses in a great way uh, to deliver the people of Israel from slavery but you see, there were two parents who had to prepare for the future that God had for him. Uh, did you know, sometimes God, and I believe often he does, uses us in this current time in which we live. I think we are called to serve God. We're called to minister to the body of Christ. We're called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to have a role in the generation in which we live. But we're also called... To do the work of preparation that God has given us to do. Now, I can't tell you what your work of preparation is. Uh, I can listen to the Lord about my work of preparation. But the scripture we're going to look at today, there are two couples, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and Mary and Joseph. Joseph is not mentioned in this scripture, but, but he will be part of what happens here. Uh, and these two couples are called by God to raise two children. And in so raising these two children to prepare for the most significant period of history in mankind's history. You see, because one of these babies was to be the greatest prophet under the old covenant era. His name was John the Baptist. And the other, of course, not second in importance, but uh, is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And these two couples were called by God to prepare. Can you imagine how daunting that would be if you knew that your child was to play a significant role like that in the history of your people? But God called them to do it. And God, as he calls, he provides what we need to fulfill the plans he has for us. I think two of the greatest ways that we can cooperate with God's plans are to have a simple heart of trust in God and to obey him. And that's what they do. Now, Zacharias, it's slow to believe at first, but these, these folks obey God. And they take that next step that God has given them to take. And God uses them to prepare for the most significant time in history. I believe God's always at work. 
God's at work today. He'll be at work if, if Jesus doesn't come first. He'll be at work when I'm dead and gone. Uh, and God is always working. And he invites us to step into the, the role of preparing for those works. To be involved in them now. But to be preparing for those works that are yet to come in the kingdom of God. What a significant thing. I, sometimes I think about our, our teachers and our nursery workers and those who deal with our kids. And, um, and sometimes it's stressful and sometimes it's challenging. But they uh, are faithful and they pour into these kids' lives and they teach them about the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. If you've got a child in this church, you can be assured your kids are learning about Jesus Christ in this church. We have got a great group that work with our kids. And uh, I, it's amazing. I think about the potential of that. What are these kids going to grow up and do? It's exciting to think about. But God has a purpose, and we need to be involved in helping fulfill those purposes and the roles that God has for us to play. Uh, so the title of my message is Preparing for Great Things. Preparing for Great Things. And we're going to begin reading. This is actually in the middle of Gabriel's message to Zechariah in the temple. And we're going to pick it up at verse 17. And he will go, he's talking about John the Baptist. Uh, he says, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Um, Zechariah initially struggles with his faith he's struck dumb by the angel because he doesn't believe and then later on his speech is restored as he is obedient to God's command and he names him John then flip over to verse 26 it says in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Preparing for great things. How do we do that? Well, first of all, to prepare for great things, we need to trust His Word. We need to trust 
God's Word. Listen, I'm convinced that we need to trust in the Scripture that God has given us. Listen, I want to tell you something. The opinions of man come and go. God's Word remains. And it is a faithful anchor upon which we can build our life. If you're going to prepare for the future that God has for you, I can think of no greater way than to be in this book and let it become a part of your thinking and a part of who you are and to live it out in your life. We also need to trust what God says to us through His Holy Spirit and how He applies His Word in specific ways to our lives. We need to trust His Word. Uh, God actually, in Zechariah's case, sends him the angel Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel tells him, we're going to actually read it. I'm going to read uh, verse 15. Uh, the second part of verse 15 says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. We see evidence of that later on in the chapter. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So he's going to have a great work of conversion. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Do you, do you realize how significant that is? They've had 400 years of silence. No prophets. No word from God. Uh, God has been silent. Now God has given them not just a prophet, but a prophet who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And that power is used to win souls and to point people to Jesus. What an amazing thing. So he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. We could use a little bit of that in today's world. And the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. See, God had a great, marvelous, wonderful plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth to be a part of. But they needed to trust his word. Sometimes we don't trust God's word, do we? God shows us something in the Scripture. We say, well, I know God's Word says that, but this is what I'm going to do. Uh, you won't prepare for God's best work in your life doing things that way. You need to respond to the Word of God. Other times, we doubt ourselves, don't we? Perhaps Zachariah thought, well, how could this be? Uh, you know, he says, hey, my wife's old in age, and, uh, you know, how can this be? Uh, who are we to do this? And, and, and there's doubt and there's confusion uh, as he hears the message but he's called to trust it. Some of you think, well, how could God use me? And God's moving upon your heart to serve him in some way. And it's, you're at a crossroads in your life, and you can choose to follow God, and you can choose to obey God and see how God will come through to help you as you serve him. Or you can choose to take the safe route and doubt God and not serve him. But it really isn't the safe route because you miss on, out on God's best. We're called to trust His Word. If you want to prepare for the future, not just prepare yourself, not just do the work God's called you to do, but if you want to have an influence that will reach the next generation, you need to trust God's Word. That's what God's calling them to do. Oh, for parents who will trust God's Word, who will stand for the truth in the middle of a culture that is filled with compromise 
who will raise their kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord despite what the world thinks about it, who will prepare their kids to thrive in the things of God. I can think of nothing greater than that to do for your kids. Perhaps God would do something through this church. there's, There's a number of people in this church who serve God so faithfully and are being used by God and I think are impacting other people Uh, for the kingdom of God in this church, and are leaving a legacy for others. Could we be preparing the next generation to do God's work? Wouldn't it be great if God used the next generation better than he uses us? Wouldn't that be exciting to think about? I mean, that God, we'd be dead and gone. We'd be in heaven enjoying the things of God, and God would use our kids and our grandkids to change the world. Listen, God's calling on some people to trust him in the middle of this age in which we live. So how do we prepare for the great things that God has for us? Well, first of all, we need to trust his word. Secondly, we need to rest in his presence. We need to rest in his presence. Um, Verse 28, the angel came to her, that is Mary, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, Mary had a great challenge. I I can't think of how intimidating it must have been for her to have an angel come to her. She's a humble girl from Nazareth. Nazareth was in the middle of nowhere. Nobody, you know, it's kind of like some of the places I lived when I was growing up. You tell people in Tennessee where you're from and they wouldn't know what you're talking about. You know, that was the kind of place Nazareth was. She was in the middle of nowhere. And God sends an angel and he says, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. Can you imagine how intimidating that must have been? How will I raise the Messiah? Who am I? I don't have ability. You know, I'm, I'm just a humble teenage girl. How will I raise the Messiah? This is, this is, I'm sure, what must have been going through her mind. Well, what about what's going to happen? How, how, how am I going to do this and rest in his presence? The Lord is with you. Listen, if the Lord is with you, you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to follow him. If the Lord is with you, he can provide the strength and the wisdom you lack. I believe that's one reason God chose the people he chose to be Jesus' parents. Because uh, he knew how significant this was and he knew that they would rely upon him. We see the evidence of that in the scripture, don't we? Joseph, uh, when in in the gospel of Matthew, it tells his side of the story and, and Joseph uh, agrees to marry this girl who's already pregnant. And he knows it's not his baby. Because God has told him to do it. And he's going to obey God. He's trusting in the Lord. He's calling upon the Lord. He's responding to God. Uh, listen, we rest in his presence. Why do you need to spend time with God? Because you can't do it on your own. When you say to the Lord, I don't need to pray. I don't have time to pray. 
I don't have time to be in God's Word. What you're saying is, God, I don't need you. That's a dangerous thing to say. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Whether you realize it or not, you do need Him. You need Him. We rest in His presence. There is a rest. There is a rest for the people of God. Did you know that the Bible teaches that in the Old Testament? The Psalms uh, speak of that. I read that scripture in my quiet time yesterday. There is a rest for the people of God. And the book of Hebrews talks about that as well. Uh, will we enter that rest? How do we do that? Well, one way is through obedience, but we also spend time with God. And there's a rest. There's a, a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you have experienced that peace, that's a peace that passes understanding. Perhaps as you have um, held a sick child in your arms or perhaps as you have gone through a, a trial in your life and everything seems to be falling apart and nothing seems to be going right and you come to the Lord in prayer and, you, and he assures your heart and he gives your, your heart the peace that passes understanding as you call upon him with thanksgiving and you know everything's going to be alright. You know that he's with you. I am with you. Moses said, uh, God said, uh, you know, I'm not going to go with you. you. You take the people to Israel. They, the people had sinned. They worshiped the golden calf. But God says, I'm not going with you because if I do, I might strike the people dead. Uh, and Moses said, well, Lord, if you're not going with us, don't let us go. What sets us apart? God, what makes us unique as a people is the fact that you are with us. And by the way, praise God for Jesus Christ who makes it possible for a holy God to live with sinful men who repent and put their trust in Him. Rest in His presence. Bring your burdens to the Lord. I heard a statistic uh, a few years ago that the average pastor spends five minutes a day in prayer. That's the reason our ch the American church is in the trouble that it's in. Because pastors aren't resting in his presence. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This guy has nothing to give but what God gives. Listen, I, I, I recognize. I, listen, we need him. Spend time in his presence. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the word of God. Um, be able to say with the psalmist, he leads me beside still waters. He helps me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. It only happens when we rest in his presence. The angel's assurance to her, wherever you go, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You can call upon his name. You can rest in his presence. You can be assured that he will be enough. So preparing for great things, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to trust his word. Secondly, we need to rest in his presence. Thirdly, we need to rely on his assurance. Look at verse 30. The angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
For you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. God is assuring her, right, through the angel. God is assuring her. He's saying, Mary, my favor rests upon you. We need to rely on his assurance. Listen, I'm going to tell you, there's many promises in God's word that assure us of his heart toward us. But he says, you have found favor with God. One of my favorite verses of scripture in all the Bible is Romans 5.1. Therefore, have we been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and access into this grace in which we now stand. Listen, I'm going to say I stand in the grace of God, not because I'm worthy of it, not because I deserve it, but because God is good and he sent Jesus and Jesus paid the price for my sin and Jesus lived the righteous life I couldn't live and God credited his righteousness to me. That's what justification means. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I rest in the favor of God because I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. (laughs) Sometimes we doubt that favor, don't we? Sometimes we think, well, God, what about my failure? Well, God, what about my weakness? Well, God, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. God, what about this? My favor rest upon you. Notice the angel says, don't be afraid. That means she was afraid. I mean, I'd probably be afraid too if an angel showed up in my house. (laughs) But also, I I think she had fears. I mean, think about the magnitude of what's being asked of her. Not only is she raising the Messiah, which is daunting in and of itself, but she uh, has has been has been uh, chosen to be the virgin mother of Christ, and most people don't look at virgin births as virgin births, right? What do they do? They think, well, let's do the math. There's a hump in her belly, and she's not married. Something's happened, right? And we'll not get into the details. That's what people think, right? She knew that that would be assumed. She knew that though God had worked a miracle in her life, most people wouldn't take it that way. They would take it as though she had sinned. Well, how is this going to affect my relationship with Joseph? Well, how's this? what's my family going to think when they find out about this? Well, how am I going to make it, uh, it, it living my life in a place where, where they're going to assume I'm a sinner? We rely upon his assurance. Right? You remember Peter, uh, he sees Jesus coming on the water and he says, uh, Lord, call me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the water. He's walking, or he gets out of the boat. (laughs) He's walking on the water. Wow. Impressive. He starts looking at the wind and the waves, and you see what happened. He gets his eyes off Jesus. We know the story, and he begins to sink. Lord, save me, and, and Jesus pulls him up. But you see, 
when we rely on his assurance, what we're doing is we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're remembering what he has said to us. And as you remember the promises of God's word, how about this one? I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a great promise, isn't it? Uh, What about this? Um, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? It's assurance from God. We hold to that. We base our lives upon it. And sometimes everything we see around us would cause us to despair. But if we keep our eyes upon what God has said and how he has assured us, we can walk and do the things that God has called us to do. And he he gives a, a very personal assurance. You have found favor with God. It's one thing to read a scripture that tells us we found favor with God, as I did earlier. In this case, God sends the message specifically to her, you have found favor with God. And I think some of you probably experienced this in your quiet time as you have perhaps, maybe you've sinned or, and, and you, you read a scripture about forgiveness or about the mercy of God or something like that and the Spirit of God will just touch your heart as if to say, you're mine, I love you, my favor still rests upon you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? <laughs> To be assured of his favor. Rely upon his assurance that he's for you. The enemy will try to get us to think that God is against us. And sometimes circumstances will seem as though he is. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What Job didn't know is it wasn't God that was doing all those things to him. It was the devil. (laughs) God gave the devil permission but it was the devil. And God used it in his life for a good purpose. But you see, sometimes we see the things around us and we think, well, God's forgotten me. He's abandoned me. He, no, he hasn't abandoned us. He's promised never to leave us. So uh, to prepare <clears throat> for great things, we need to rely upon his assurance. Uh, <clears throat> and by the way, if you notice here in this scripture, a lot of these things are... Uh, things about Mary's well-being spiritually. There's one thing about her taking action, and it's a very small thing that she's taking action to do. Did you know that God does the heavy lifting of our spiritual lives? We're just called to trust Him. He's the one who does the heavy lifting. Um, and so we we are just instruments that He uses. So Uh, Preparing for great things. How do you do that? You trust in his word, rest in his presence, rely on his assurance, follow his direction. Verse 31. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, the angel goes on to describe how this is going to happen because she asked him about it. Uh, This is going to be a miracle. The the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a creative work of God. This is a miracle that takes place within her. What is she to do? Well, God's doing the heavy lifting. She's to follow his direction, to give birth to the Son and to name him Jesus. By the way, let me say this. Whenever you, you look at Scripture and what God has said, 
about babies before they're born. It shows us what God thinks of, of what that is in the, in the womb of a woman. It's not a blob of tissue. It's a baby. It's a human being. It's a person. It's a person that God has a plan for. So <clears throat> to follow his direction is a very simple thing. Give him the name Jesus. Joseph is told the same thing, right? So they take this simple step of obedience, and I'm glad that, that God gave them a simple step of obedience, right? I mean, if you're raising the Messiah, you might think uh, God would tell you, okay, I want you to go uh, leap a tall building in a single, single bound to show me that you're worthy, but he doesn't do that. God's going to do the heavy lifting, so she is just responsible to do what God tells her to do. Did you know that's our responsibility too? It's not your responsibility to change another person's heart. It's not your responsibility to change somebody. It's your responsibility to obey God. And you obey God, then God takes responsibility. Now, he'll use us through prayer. He'll use us as we speak and then those kinds of things as we do so under his direction. But God, what, is, what did Paul say? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Right? God does the heavy lifting. We just follow his direction. I remember a time in my life, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but I remember God just telling me, you just do the next thing I tell you to do, and you trust me. Isn't it great that we serve a God who can do that? Can I tell you something? I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea what to do. No idea what direction to go. You say, well, that gives me a lot of confidence in you as a leader. Well, okay, you're getting a real picture here, okay? I didn't know what to do, but my God did. It wasn't my responsibility to do the heavy lifting. It was my responsibility to say yes to him, to do the next step of obedience that he gave me to take and to trust him. And I saw God work a miracle in that situation. I'm not going to get into it. But I saw God work a miracle. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Our God can do those things. We've seen it in this church. He's healed people. He's changed people. What a great God we serve. So preparing for great things. How do we do so? Well, we need to trust his word, rest in his presence, rely on his assurance, follow his direction, acknowledge his power. Verse 35, therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Why? Because it's a miracle. It's a, it's a, it's a miraculous um, conception here in, in Mary. He'll be called the Son of God. He's not the biological son of Joseph, even though he is the adopted son of Joseph. He, in fact, is the Son of God. Verse 36, and consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. What great faith that is. Can I tell you something? This lady 
she had faith in God. She, she humbles herself. She says, Lord, I'm, I'm your servant. You do what you like in my life. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's the road to some great things in your life. Especially setting an example for your kids. You talk about preparing for great things in the lives of your children. If you'll surrender to God and you'll give him the blank check of your life and you say, Lord, I'm your servant. This is not my life. This is your life. I'm following you. She says, may it happen to me as you have said. May it happen to me as you have said. So we need to acknowledge his power. Mary does a great job. She, isn't it ironic? God goes to the seat of power in Jerusalem, in the, in the great holy place called the temple where Zechariah is worshiping to appear to Zechariah. And Zechariah doesn't believe him. But he goes to this humble place called Nazareth where nobody even knows where it is. And Mary puts her trust in him. She acknowledges his power. Zechariah eventually gets there, but Mary from the start is there. And she acknowledges God's power, and the rest, as we say, is history. We need to acknowledge God's power in our lives. Could God use me? What did Jeremiah say? Lord, I'm just a youth. Moses said, I, I can't talk right. Gideon said, I'm the least of my father's family. The publican said, he hung his head, he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. How could God use people such as this? How could God use me? How could God use you? Because of who he is. He's a powerful God. I love what David says. King David is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. One of the reasons I named my son David is because of King David. Uh, David sees this Philistine taunting the Israelite armies. He says, who is this vile Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He has bold courage. You got this little teenage boy, and you got this nine foot tall giant named Goliath. He's one of the sons of the Rephaim. Those guys were the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of their day, okay? Um, they, they would have made Arnold Schwarzenegger look short, okay? Uh, they, were, they were tough guys. And, uh, and the giant makes fun of him. He comes. He says, what, what am I, dog? You're coming at me with a stick? And, you know, what is this? Where's your weapons? Where's your armor? Uh, he's making fun of him. And David says, well, hey, uh, you come against me with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of God, the God of Israel. And he's going to give you into my hand. And he takes that sling. It's a little different than the slings we have today. And whap! And that stone hits him right there and sinks down, inches down into his forehead, kills him instantaneously. He falls to the ground dead. David goes over and takes, his, takes Goliath's own sword and chops his head off. All of a sudden, the Israelites get bold and the Philistines get scared. 
<laughs> they've just seen something they thought they would never see. Why? Because David was all that great. David was a great man, but he was great because he put his faith in God. You see, it wasn't the strength of a teenage boy that killed Goliath. It was the power of an almighty God that gave David the courage and the strength and the faith to confront this thing in his life. And David came out the other side in victory. Listen, uh, you and I will face things in our lives that we can't handle in our own strength. But we need to acknowledge the power of God. I had a pastor friend down in Texas who used to mentor uh, young pastors in the he had one of his, uh, the fellows that came to him and said, hey, I've got an opportunity to go to two churches. He says, there's this one here. He says that, uh, you know, I think I can handle this one. He says, it's, it's, it's kind of small, and I think I can handle it. Then there's this one over here. I really don't think I can handle that one, so I'm thinking about taking the small one. And he said, well, do you want what you can do, or do you want what you have to believe God for? He changed his mind and took the other one. Now, I'm not saying that may not be God's will in your situation. But what all I'm saying is <clears throat> we need to make room for the power of God. Well, I don't have any parents. Uh, how could I raise a child? Or I don't have any experience. Or I'm too young. Whatever the case may be, make room for God. I love the faith of Mary. See, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She says, Lord, you're a great God. I, I'm just a teenage girl in a no-name place, but I know the kind of God I serve. I'm going to trust you. May it be to me according to your word. And as Mary responded to the Lord in faith, God began to use her to raise Jesus and he used Zachariah and Elizabeth to raise John the Baptist. And, and the very things that this angel says to them ends up coming to pass. <clears throat> I don't know what the future holds. I don't know Jesus may come tomorrow. That would be wonderful. I, I'd love to see Jesus come interrupt all my plans. <laughs> uh, I'd, love, I'd love to hear the trumpet sound and be caught up uh, to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, come on, Jesus, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but if Jesus tarries, is there a hope for our country? You say, well, yeah, preacher, preacher, it's too dark. It's too far gone. Listen, I don't believe that our God's arm is too short to save. Listen, I think you and I, and as we prepare that next generation, they can make a difference in this city. As we say yes to God, as we obey God, as we whatever it is, whether it's speaking, whether it's serving, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, as we say yes to Him, I believe we can make a difference where we are. I don't believe God created you or He created me just to exist and have no difference whatsoever for the kingdom. I believe He put us here for a reason. We've been put here for such a time as this. And God's called us to make a difference. And we need to say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I don't care what people think. I don't care what's politically correct. I'm going to say what you call me to say. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. 
And we'll make a difference. And we'll shine a light in this city. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you would use people like us, Lord. And uh, Father, I just, I, I, I stand in awe of who you are. And Lord, as we, as we come to a time of invitation, I pray, God, that we would respond to you in the ways you'd call us to respond to you today. Uh, perhaps there's someone here today that, that you've been calling uh, to serve in some way, and, and they need to step out and trust you. Maybe there's somebody, God, that needs to, has been neglecting their time with you, and they need to choose to rest in you and to find renewal and strength in relationship with you. Uh, perhaps there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that today would be the day. God, give the grace uh, for uh, those that don't know Christ to genuinely repent and put their trust in Jesus and to be saved today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.